Well, I want to talk to you this morning about we are not our past. Everybody say, we are not our past. Do you believe that? You believe that? So as we're getting ready to go into this Christmas season, you know, the Lord just put it on me to talk about this because um, we're not our past, right? We're not. We're not our past. Freedom from guilt, freedom from condemnation, amen? We are not our past. So Father, we just thank you for that, Lord. God, we thank you, Father, that we are not our past. We are who you said we are. God, we thank you, Father, that you have set us free. You have liberated us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, your past does not determine who you are. I promise you, I got a pretty checkered past. Your past prepares you for who you are to become. Amen? But your past has no bearing on who you are today. Right? Because there comes a point in your life when you can't blame everything in your life on your past anymore. And I know that's easy to say, I've been there, I get it. But there comes a point in your life when you become an adult, all the adults said, come on, y'all, where you become an adult and you start making decisions based on your own life, your own future, your own, you can't make decisions based on your past. Does that make sense? There comes a point, well, I can't, but you know, I grew up like, a, you know what? You're 72. And I'm not picking on nobody, but there comes a point in your life when you have to put that away. Because my Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, come on, y'all. The old is what? Right. So I want you to open your Bibles with me because I want to talk to you about this story. Open your Bibles with me to the book of, of Mark. To the book of Mark. We're going to go to chapter 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Mark 14. iPhones, get your iPads. We're on the Version Bible app as well. Just be up here, but, but open your Bible with me. Say amen if you got it. Okay. Mark chapter 14. I want to read this story to you. It says, In beginning in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask or, or box, an alabaster box of very costly oil of spikenard, then she broke the box or the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii. That was a year's wages. It said it could have been sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor. And then they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Everybody say, let her alone. Leave her alone, he said. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. And assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached, look at this right here. Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Can I tell you something? We're over 2,000 years later and we're still talking about this? Jesus said that wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, this story is going to be told in remembrance of her. And here we are, 2022, still talking about it. Amen? So, so turn with me real quick. I want you to turn with me real quick to the book of Luke. The book of Luke real fast. I want to go to Luke chapter 7. 
right here because I think it speaks to us. How many of you still believe in reading in your Bible when you come to church? How many of y'all still believe that? You believe that? Open up your Bible, four of you? All right, well, the rest of you are going to read your Bible anyhow. Right here, Luke chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 36. It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask or, or, or box of, of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. Do you know when y'all see something that you really have a hard time, you start talking to yourself like, I can't believe he's doing What? So this Pharisee starts speaking to himself. He gets in his head and he starts talking to himself. This man, if he were a real prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And one more scripture I want to highlight to you real quick. Go, to, go down to verse 47, Luke 7, 47, for sake of time. Luke, uh, Jesus starts telling, telling this parable about, about a creditor. Somebody owes him 50 denarii, somebody owes him 500 denarii, and he says who, you know, he forgives them both, right? Who, who, who has the greater... Thank you, you know what I'm talking about? He, so, so, so for sake of time, Luke, go down to 47. He says, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So I want to tell you this story. It starts off with kind of like this almost strange beginning, okay? So, so it's a contrast that, number one, that a Pharisee would even be throwing a party to begin with. Amen. So, so here's this Pharisee who's throwing a party, but that's what's taking place. This Pharisee is having a party at his house, and he's a, he's a self-righteous, he's a mean, he's a judgmental man, but here he is throwing a party. And when he decides to have the party, he invites Jesus to come to the party, okay? So you know why? So he can judge him because he spoke to himself. He gets in his head, he invites Jesus over to the party. He, gets, he invites him so he can judge him so he can condemn him, so he can criticize him and put him down. See, notice that the, the Pharisees are having a party and they invited Jesus to come to the party. And here's what I love about this story is that they invite Jesus to come to the party and he shows up. Amen? They invite Jesus to come to the party and he shows up. And I want you to understand this. Look, Jesus will always come wherever he is invited. Because he was invited, he came. Jesus doesn't care what the address is. Jesus doesn't care what's going on in there. Jesus don't care if you're smoking crack in there. Jesus don't care what you're doing in there. If you invite him, he's going to come. Amen. You can invite him into the dark crevices of your life. You can invite him into the nasty that you're out there doing. Amen. And he come because he's invited. The Bible says he came. He showed up and he doesn't care. He's invited. And I promise you, church people ain't going to come. Holy people ain't going to come. Super self-righteous people ain't going to come. Those holier-than-now people ain't going to come. But when you invite Jesus, he will come and he will show up every single time. Every time. And I want to go one step further with this. I want to go one step further with this. Listen, and that's why our praise and worship is so important. 
Did they not do a phenomenal job today? Come on. That's why our praise and worship is so important. You know why? Because praise is God's address. Do you know that? Praise is God's address. Praise and worship is where God lives. That's where he lives. Praise and worship. Listen, the Bible says he inhabits the what? Three of you read your Bible. He inhabits the praises of his people. That's God's address. Amen? Praise and worship. So our praise is an invitation. We're inviting Jesus to the party. Come on. We just invited Jesus to the party. We're not up here displaying talent for you. We understand around here the reason we raise our hands, the reason we lift our voice and sing is we're inviting the presence of Jesus into this party. That's why we're inviting him into this party. We're saying, Jesus, come on, you're invited. When we clap our hands, when we open our mouths, when we sing, when we speak praises, that's all we're doing. We're just inviting Jesus to the party. Amen. Just inviting Jesus to the party, that's all, so he can heal broken lives. Woo, come on. So he can heal broken lives. You know what? Right now, before I go any further, let's send Jesus another invitation. Come on. Before we move on and go any further, Jesus, we welcome you in here. Come on. We welcome you in here, Jesus, before we move on. Because I tell you, that's how you get him into your house. That's how you get him into your valley. That's how you get him into your trials. That's how you get him into your addictions. That's how you get him into your drunken stupor. That's how you get him anywhere anywhere where you're at. He will come wherever you praise him. And when you give him praise, the Bible says what? That he inhabits that. It's an invitation. He'll come wherever you invite him. And then you invite him through your praise. And the Bible says that Jesus shows up. And the Pharisee that invited Jesus into his home, listen, his motive wasn't right. His motive wasn't right. He invites Jesus into his home to judge him, to criticize him, to to try to put him down. His motive wasn't right. Can I tell you? Jesus will do miracles for people even when their motives aren't right. Jesus will do miracles for people even when their motives aren't right. His motive was this, well, the only reason I'm even asking him here is so I can find something about him and then I can even, I can just criticize him and I can put him down and I can just discredit him and, 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 and that's why I'm inviting him here. You know what? A lot of people come to church and their motives ain't right. Amen? Are you following me this morning or am I sweating for nothing? A lot of people come to church and their motives aren't right. Do you get that? And I really don't care why you came. Maybe you came here to criticize me. Maybe you heard all about us. You know, most of the people who criticize have never stepped foot in this place and have never sat through one service. Come on. I'm just telling you. But you know what? I really don't care. Whatever brought you here, you're at church. You're here. Come on. You are here, and I'm glad you're here, even if your motive ain't right. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your neighbor. I'm not judging nobody. You know why I'm going to tell you this? Because God has a right miracle for people. Look at this. Even when our motives aren't right. God has a right miracle for people even when our motives aren't right. Come on. 
God doesn't play fair. God don't play fair. And just when you thought you could escape God's miraculous power here at Restoration Church, let me tell you something, God's going to ring your bell. God's going to ring your bell. He's going to get your attention. Because he has a right miracle for people, even if your motives aren't right. This Pharisee's motives wasn't right. Luke 7.39 says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, said he spoke to himself, he said, this man, well, if he were a prophet, so he said, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Can I tell you something? God knows exactly what manner of people you are. Do you know that? God knows exactly what manner of people we are. He doesn't wait until we're perfect. He loves us exactly where we are. Amen. In the condition that we are. He knows what manner of people you are that you came in here. You can't explain the love of God. You can't measure the love of God. You can't even comprehend the love of God. You can't. He knows what manner of people you are. He just loves us and he accepts us and he knows what manner of people that we are. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 puts it like this. I want you to see this. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Listen to this. Neither fornicators, mm, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And you're all thinking, yeah, yeah, it ain't me. I ain't done none of that. Look here, look at this. Keep, keep going. And such were some of you and me, right? And such were some of you. But look at this. But you were washed, amen. Hallelujah. You were sanctified. Thank you, Jesus. You were justified, hallelujah, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. So let me help you with this. Let me help you with this this morning. Let me help you. And such were some of you. Amen. God knows what manner of people you are. Amen. We like to read some of these things and like, oh, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They're not going to do it. None of you are. None of you are. You know why? Listen, I'm going to tell you this. And such were some of you. That word were means used to be. That word were means used to be. You're no longer like that. You've repented. You've been washed. You've been justified. And don't you ever forget where you came from. Now, that's the issue that I'm dealing with this, this morning. Because some people, a lot of people just can't get past the past. Amen? That's what I'm dealing with. That's what we're talking about this morning. Some people just can't get past the past. See, the devil, the Bible says this in Revelation 12, 10. Look at this. It says, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who accuses. And I want you to notice who he accuses. 
You see that? It says he is the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. And let's just be fair, the sister too. Come on. Let's just be fair. He's accuser of the brethren and the sistren. That's my Baptist for you this morning. I want you to notice something about the devil. He doesn't accuse just anybody. Brother and sister are terms in the Bible that are specifically designated for people who are saved. They are, they're, brother and sister is designated and it classifies people who have been saved. Brother and sister. The one that Satan accuses is never the one who's out there doing all kinds of stuff because they don't care anyhow. Amen? They, have, they don't care. They're out there running wild and going crazy and be like, I don't care if you accuse me or nothing. I don't care. I'm doing it. It don't matter. Right? Brothers and sisters have been saved. They have been born again. That's who the devil's accusing. He's not accusing the people who are out there running wild. They don't feel nothing. They're just out there doing whatever. The people that he loves to put down are brothers and sisters in Christ. He does. That's what he does. The people who have been saved and born again. And then he likes to come and tell you that you're disqualified. That's what he likes to do. Tell you that you're disqualified because you can't serve God. What? He's accusing you. You're disqualified. You can't serve the Lord. You know what? You can't accuse someone successfully of something that they have not done. Amen. You cannot accuse someone successfully of something that they have not done. I want you to listen to this verse. And this is something you might have thought about, but I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. Look at this. Pull up verse 39 first real quick for me. He says this. Look at this. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Do you see that? Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Now go to verse 38. I want to pull up verse 38. And then here what he, he starts listing things. He says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life. And he talks about angels, principalities, powers. Look at this, look at this. All these things, nothing. Nor things present, nor things to come. Stop right there. Nor things present, nor things to come. He says, nothing in your present can separate you from God and nothing in your future can separate you from God. Nothing in your present and nothing in your future. But notice, he never says that something in your past cannot separate you from God because it can, if you let it. Amen? If you let it, not because God can't forgive it, but the Apostle Paul knew, he says, listen, he says, I cannot write that something in your past cannot separate you from the love of God because if you fall under condemnation and guilt and then you don't feel worthy to be in God's presence anyway. Amen? That's what he says. That something in your past can separate you from God because you fall under that condemnation and you fall under that guilt and you're like, I ain't even worthy to be in your presence anyway. Are y'all following me? That's what he says. I'm not worthy to be in God's presence. And so in this story, listen, here's what, here's what I want you to see. And there's a woman who has a box. She's got this box. She's a prostitute. She had seven devils. The Bible, the Bible refers to her earlier in, in some earlier verses that Jesus had already cast seven demons out of her. Her profession is prostitution. 
and she had this costly box of oil. Okay? It was perfume. That's what it was. See, the oil back then was made out of five ingredients. Okay? It was made out of five ingredients, and it was specific, and it was a perfume. That's why they burned it on the altar of incense. Okay? Because it was a perfume. It was an oil. And they would burn it on the altar, and this curling incense would come up, and it would, and it would smell. When the coals were hot, they would pour that oil or that perfume on it, okay? And it would bring forth a savor. Then a smell, it had a sweet smell to it. And, and, it, and it, was a, it was a perfume, okay? And I want you to understand this, that when she came into that room, again, Jesus had already cast demons out of her. Demon, it, demons had already been cast out of her, and she had been changed, Y'all miss a great spot to shout right there. Come on. Jesus had already cast demons out of her and she had been changed. Amen? Look at this. She had already been changed, but that box of oil, the only reason she had it, the Bible says it was worth one year's of wages. It was very expensive. It was worth one year's wages. Very expensive. So it was not only representative of her profession, she was a prostitute that, that she was in, it was also representative of her, of her financial status because that was a lot of money back then to have something that was worth a whole year's wages. That'd be like me right now with $25,000. That was my joke, y'all. Come on. Y'all think about that on the way home. Be like, oh, man, he only makes 25 grand a year. Better give him a raise. But it was also representative of her, her financial status and it was also representative of her identity, of who she was. Amen? She was a prostitute. The only way she could have something that expensive, the only way that she could have something that was, that was of that great fortune and that costly was that she would have had to prostitute herself over and over and over and over, right? And that's what bought the costly box of oil or the, or the perfume. In other words, what was in it was perfume. What was in it is what she would put on herself to attract the men that she was doing her sexual sins with. Amen? She would put it on her and she would attract the men that she would get the money from. So what she took was on the dresser in the bedroom of where she would commit her sexual sins. I'm going somewhere with this. With man after man after man. She would put that perfume on her. And it was a vital part of who she was. The only way she could afford it was to do what she did. Amen. And Jesus one day had cast seven demons out of her and then she got changed. Read it. Had cast seven demons out of her and then she got changed. Can I tell you something? When Jesus touches your heart and you get changed, you can't never go back. You can try to go back, but I promise you it ain't ever going to be the same. I promise you. When Jesus touches your heart and you've been changed, you've been changed. Amen? Come on. The only way was through Jesus Christ. He had touched her and she was changed. And she just couldn't get over that change that had happened to her. But she still had something on the dresser that represented her past. When she would walk into that bedroom, there was something on that dresser that represented her past. And when she took that box of alabaster oil and she broke it, she broke that thing, she devastated it. 
She fragmented it. She destroyed it. Come on, somebody. She took that thing that represented her past, meaning, listen, this represents the profession of prostitution that I was in, and it, and it represents the wealth that I had accumulated, and, and it represented everything of me giving my body and body. He said, but, but Lord, I broke it at your feet because my past is gone. Come on, y'all, listen. I broke it at his feet. When I kneel down and I worship you, we said, I'm going to kneel down, I'm going to worship you, and I break this box. He's saying, because of you, Jesus, I will never go back. I will never go back. Are y'all following me? I will never go home the same. I'm going to take that box off that dresser that represents what I used to do. And I'm going to break it at your feet, Jesus. And when I go home, I ain't going to be the same. I'm not going to be the same. And when she went home, something was missing off of that dresser. Amen. Something was missing off of that dresser. Oh, when she got home, she went home with none of the remnants of her past. She went home with none of the remnants of her past. Come on, y'all. She had left them at the feet of Jesus. Can we give Jesus some praise for that? If you leave here today with remnants of your past, it's because you have not left anything at the feet of Jesus. Come on. Whew. That oil in that box was a tangible substance that represented her sin. And when she walked in and she broke that box, it was breaking herself free. Free from anything that had connected her to who she used to be. She was breaking herself free. She said, I'm done. And then she turned the memory of it into worship. She turned the memory of it into worship at the feet of Jesus. You know that? She took that and turned it into worship. When it was set in her bedroom, it brought memories and it connected her to man after man after man and the, the acts of sin that she had committed and, and the things that she had done and the things that she had done in the bedroom. But when she broke it at the feet of Jesus, it became worship. It became worship. She said, I'm done. I'm breaking this at your feet, Jesus. And it became worship. It was turned into praise. Hallelujah. It was turned into praise. You see, repentance, repentance is breaking the box. You know that? Repentance is breaking the box. Repentance is getting rid of the past. Repentance is making a change. Repentance is not just praying a prayer and then going right back out there and doing what you was doing. That's not repentance. Repentance is bringing your sin and putting it at the feet of Jesus. And you're saying, Jesus, I'm breaking it at your feet and I'm turning it into worship. That's what repentance is, is breaking your sin and laying it at the feet of Jesus. I will go home a different person and I have been forever changed. That's what you're telling them. That's what true repentance is. Look at this. Repentance breaks the box of the thing that used to hold us. Repentance breaks the box of the things that used to hold us. Mm. When we truly repent, guys, listen, 
we crush that box that used to represent all the past things that we did in our life, all the past things that the enemy wanted to use to destroy us with. Amen? She gets in the presence and she breaks the box that connects her to the past. It was over. It was over. That's the beauty of repentance. And the Bible says this, that the religious people saw her breaking that box. The religious people saw her breaking away from her past, getting set free and worshiping Jesus. And she was going to go home never to be the same again. Amen? And the religious people spoke up and they began to criticize her. Do you know what manner of woman? What Jesus said, he said, leave her alone. Come on, y'all. He said, leave her alone. Everybody say, leave her alone. When the enemy comes to condemn you, you know what Jesus look at him and say, leave her alone. That's why I holler at my kids. They don't listen, though. <laughs> he said, leave her alone because she has done a good work. Leave her alone. I want you to understand that when we see people breaking free from what they used to be, come on, y'all. The box that the enemy used to hold them in, their addiction, their, 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 their sexual sin, all the things that, that we see people breaking free from. You know what? You're this and you're that and you'll never be this. You'll never amount to anything. But when people get in the presence of Jesus, there is power to break that box. We need to be supporting them. We don't need to start talking smack about them. Be like, pfft, pfft. leave them alone. Come on, y'all. Leave them alone. They, you see people breaking the box of their past. Leave them alone. Come on. You're like, well, you're never going to be able to. Can I tell you, you break the box and you'll never be able to put it back together again. You will never be able to put it back together again. You can't put it back together. It will never be able to hold you again. Can I tell you, we need to celebrate freedom in people's lives. We need to celebrate freedom in people's lives. Jesus said, leave her alone, for she has done a good work. Leave her alone. That same Greek word that is used for break, when it says that she, she broke the alabaster box, that same Greek word that's used for break is found in Romans. Look at this. One other place in the New Testament, Romans chapter 16. I want you to look at this. When it says, it's just translated different in the translation, but it's the same word right here, for the original word, the word break is the same as the word right here, the God of peace shall bruise. The word bruise is the same used in the book of Luke for break. Look it up. It's the same word. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Come on. It's the same word that's used. The same word that's used for break. In other words, every time someone breaks away from their past, they bruise the head of Satan. Show that up there. Every time someone breaks away from their past, they bruise the head of Satan. Amen? That's a great place for y'all to shout. That's a great place for the rest of you to shout. Every time someone breaks away from their past, they break the head of Satan. Come on, that's amazing. No wonder the devil wants to keep you bound up. Amen? No wonder the devil wants to keep you bound up because every time somebody breaks away from the past and they say, I'm done, I'm done, I'm not doing this no more, I'm done, and I'll never be that person again because of Jesus. 
Guess what? You just keep on bruising the head of Satan. How about that? You just keep bruising the head of Satan. We've been bruising Satan's head around here, amen? Come on, because people have been getting set free and their lives have been changed already in 14 little measly old weeks at Restoration Church. We've been breaking the head of Satan. Man, I don't know about y'all, but that makes me happy. We've been breaking his head. God knows your past, but he doesn't stop there. Guys, listen to me. He sees past your past. Amen? He sees past your past. Religious people base your worth on past performance, but Jesus will base your worth on future potential. Religious people base your worth on past performance, but Jesus will base your worth on future potential. Amen. Amen. Religious people give you something to live down to, but Jesus will give you something to live up to. Amen. Religious people like to write people off, but Jesus likes to write people in. Amen. He likes to write you in. And that's what we preach around here. We preach Jesus Christ. I told you last week this church only has one celebrity and his name's Jesus. Amen. That's what we preach around here. Jesus came to her defense and he said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She's done a good work. She's done a good thing. Her personal identity was in that box. Her financial security was in that box. And she broke it. How ironic. I want you to listen to this. That the perfume used in her profession as a prostitute would become the token of her profession of faith. That box that was a token of her profession became her profession of faith. Man, is that good? God. Only God can take something that the enemy used so powerfully in your life and turn it around and get glory out of it. Can I tell you that? Only God can take something that the enemy has used so profoundly in your life and turn it around and get glory out of it. Only God can do that. And actually redeem the years. That's what it says in Joel 2.25. In Joel chapter 2, it says that he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Can I tell you, God's going to turn around all those years of your life that you spent doing whatever it is you do, and he's going to turn it around and let his son get glory out of it. Only God can do that. So the Old Testament tabernacle, they had the altar sacrifice and it was a fire. And what they would do is they would, they would kill the animal and they would put it on the fire on the, on the altar of sacrifice and they would place it and they would burn it. And then the fire, the coals, would then be taken off of that altar of repentance, the altar of sacrifice, and they would take the coals from that and they would put it on the altar of incense. Okay. They would put it on the altar of incense on the second altar. And there's where they would take that perfume. They would take that oil. And then they would pour it on there on those hot coals. And it would make that curling smoke that would come up, which would be an a, 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 a incense offering. And, and it would ascend into heaven as worship. Okay? So they would take the coals 
from the animal that they killed on the altar of sacrifice after it had burnt down and then they would move it to the second altar, the altar of incense, and they would pour that oil on it. And it would be ascend as, as worship. I want you to notice the thing that ignited the worship was the thing that they had previously repented over. They had sacrificed the animals for repentance of their sins. And then the thing that they took over here that ignited their worship was what they had previously repented. Amen? I, I'm telling you, the thing that ignites worship in us is not that I have a nice car, that I have a nice house, that I have a nice job, that I've got this and I've got... Be thankful for that. But what ought to really ignite worship in you is I once was lost, but I repented. I once was blind, but now I see. That's what should ignite the worship in you. I've repented. I'm here. I've done this. And I can't be quiet about it. I can't calm down about it. Amen? Come on, y'all. What, what was in your life, the thing that was in your life that God turned around, that you repented over, that's what should ignite your worship. That's what you should be praising God about. Be thankful you got a nice house and a nice car and a fat bank account, whatever. But the thing that should ignite your worship is what you have previously repented over. Hmm. Got to praise him, guys. Listen, because who much is forgiven, much thanks, Luke 7, 47. But, but who has repented little, there's little thanks. You follow me? Hmm. Our worship must always be ignited from the things that we have previously repented of. That's so true. And if you can't think of something, if you can't think of something, like, I, I, I don't like my car, I, I don't want to praise him, I don't like my job, I gotta, are you really even saved? Are you saved? I don't, two, two of you are like, yeah, I'm saved. Look at them, they're over here like, yeah, woo. Look at, I don't have a good job, I don't have this. Are you really even saved? Nobody ought to have to beg you to worship God. Amen. 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 I'm just going to ask you one more time. Have you repented? Have you repented? Then you ought to take the fire from that repentance and turn it into worship. Everybody in here that's saved, let's give a shout right now. Come on. Woo! If you're saved, let's shout about it. Hallelujah. Everybody in here that's saved, let's just shout about it. Mm, come on. Break out of that box. Can I tell you, break your box? Break the box of your past, all the stuff that's been holding. You do not have to go home with guilt and condemnation today. I want to close with this. Let me close with this. And the woman at the well had been married five times. She was working on number six. Right? And Jesus talked to her about living water. And the Bible says in John chapter 4, I want you to read it, read it. The Bible says in John 4, 28, the woman dropped her water pots. Amen? Read the story. It says right here, the woman then left her water pots. She dropped her water pots. She dropped them. In other words, I'm saying, listen, she said, I don't need these anymore. I found Jesus. I got living water. I don't need these water pots no more. That's what she said. She dropped her water pots. And let me tell you something. If you didn't drop nothing when you met Jesus, you didn't get nothing. I'm telling you, if you didn't drop nothing, when you met Jesus, you didn't get nothing. You prayed a little prayer. Oh, you felt a little, 
under condemnation and conviction, you might have shed a little bit of crocodile tear. But if you didn't drop nothing, you didn't get nothing. I'm telling you right now, because if you're still hanging out in them places that you used to hang out, you're still smoking what you used to smoke, and you're still doing what you used to do, I promise you, if you're still getting high, you're doing all this stuff, because when you really get saved, you start dropping stuff. Amen. When you really get saved, you start dropping stuff, not out of legalism, but out of your love for Jesus. mess. Come on, you might still struggle. I don't care. I don't got junk. But I promise you, if you ain't dropped nothing, you ain't. Start dropping stuff. Anything to make me more like you, Jesus. Anything to make me. You just start dropping stuff. You get rid of stuff. You ain't doing that stuff no more. That's what I want. I want to be more like Jesus. How about you? In Acts 19, 19, look at this real quick when they repented the Bible says this says that many of those who had practiced magic together brought all their books and burned them look at this burned them go back many of those who had practiced magic together they brought their books together come on and then burned them in the sight of all of them you see that they had got saved and repented and they brought all their books of sorcery they brought all their curious arts they brought all their little statues and, and all the stuff that they were doing and it says they burned them. If you don't drop nothing, you ain't gained nothing. Amen? It said they burned them all. I don't want to be connected to this anymore. Can I tell you, I wish to God that we would get enough Holy Ghost conviction up in here that we get some of that back. Some of you are going to get saved today and you're going to have to start dropping some stuff. Amen? start dropping some stuff. Ooh. I want you to drop anything that connects you to who you used to be. Get some convictions back. You don't want to be connected to it anymore. She broke the box. She broke it. She said, I'm done with that life. I don't want to be connected to it. I don't want to have nothing to do with it anymore. I want to be free indeed. Hallelujah. He that the sun sets free is free indeed. Do you know the difference between being free and being free indeed? Huh? I'm going to tell you. You can break out of prison. You're still free. But you ain't free indeed. Uh-huh. See that Mike Hoss? You can break out of prison. You'll be free. They're going to get you. You ain't free indeed. There's a difference between being free and being free indeed. Why don't you really let Jesus break the box so that you can be free indeed like you've never been free before? Amen. Everybody stand to your feet all across this room.